This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And my guest this morning is Sue Edwards who teaches in a department that keeps getting renamed on our campus. <laughs> so I'm never quite sure whether I've got it right or not. But rumor has it it's Educational Ministries and Leadership. Yes, that's it. Okay. It used to be Christian Ed for those of you who, who have had some history with the seminary, which means it's the uh, department that Howard Hendricks actually founded yes. years ago and uh, has been through various uh, leaders. I think King Gangle led the department mm-hmm. at one time. And you're – You've been here how long? Teaching? Eleven years. Eleven years. Formally, oh. I actually they ramped me up for three or four. Okay. Very graciously, okay. I worked beside my male colleagues, and they helped me become acclimated in a very gracious process. That's good. And and did and what were you doing when the seminary co-opted you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have about. 25, 30 years of experience in the trenches working uh-huh. with women. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of that has been with a couple of mega churches, mm-hmm. uh, the first place in an informal capacity, but I did oversee uh, the ministry with women there, taught the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then I was a minister to women at Irving Bible Church on staff. Okay, for so I thought seven you were at IBC. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's right. That's I was there. Great. Very good. And, um, Oh, let's see. And, and you did your work at Gordon, right? Yes. And what did you concentrate on? On women. On women. On women. Understanding women. Um, we took a oh, lot man, of. Oh man, I could use a lot well, of help. A lot of people can. <laughs> yes. And, and we took the secular studies on women uh-huh. under uh, the tutelage of, of Dr. Alice Matthews and a number of her colleagues, and looked at how do we take what we know about women from a secular perspective and put it through a grid of a, a Christian perspective. Okay. And now there's a lot more work that has been done mm-hmm. uh, putting all of this through that grid of a Christian perspective, and that's what we do here at the seminary. I teach on the master's level, but also on the doctoral level, uh, D-men and D-ed-men, effective mm-hmm. ministries with women. Okay. Well, that's a, you've just did a wonderful job of introducing our topic. <laughs> okay. Okay. So our topic today is women, and particularly women and men in ministry side by side and the issues that that raises. So I've debated whether to ask you this question, but I've but usually I lose my debates with myself. Okay. And so, okay. Uh, and so I am going to ask, and that is, you've been in ministry thirty years. How has women's ministry changed in the time mm. that you've been involved in ministry? Yeah. Has it? First oh, of all? absolutely. Yeah. It has greatly changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
when I began in women's ministry, women were not working in the church per se, or very few were. Uh, in fact, I started out in a parachurch women's Bible study because very little was happening formally in the church, and pastors would go out look at their parking lot on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday morning. There'd be these sea of cars, and they're going, what is happening? Women are coming from all over the community to study God's Word. Mm -hmm. And they began to see, my goodness, women are hungry for God's Word, and yet they were doing almost nothing related to uh, leading, ministering, serving. They were doing lots of serving, but in very marginalized, kind of behind-the-scenes ways, so that the women with leadership gifts, teaching gifts, had very little opportunity. So they were taking those gifts both to the secular world and to parachurch ministries. About 20, 25 years ago, that began to radically change. And women started coming in, basically as children's ministers, women's ministers. But in the last 10 years or so, we've seen that expand to a number of different uh, positions um, from uh, those who head up small groups, community, acclamation. I think what happened was that the male leadership saw these women were bright and dedicated and hardworking, and they said, my goodness, she would be great in this role as well as these other roles that had been pretty much specifically set aside for women. And, and and what's interesting about this is that this has happened across the board in in, in the church. You know, you know, obviously the role of women is a controversial topic yes. in the church, and so uh, and and so you've got different churches that have taken different approaches to that. But this opening up has literally happened across the board in many ways. It has in many churches. Mm -hmm. There are still churches that where women are looked at uh, in a rather suspicious way, mm -hmm. as a temptress, as somebody you can't – we can't work with her. Uh, we're, we're very nervous about that. Mm -hmm. And in, in some of those places, that's – in some churches and even in some parachurch ministries, that's still going on. Mm -hmm. But in many places, it's become much healthier. So, um, so women come through the seminary, or they come into your program, and what kinds of things are you emphasizing with them as they think about ministry, and and how are you preparing them for this, for this really this shift that's mm -hmm, taken place? Right. Well, we talk about it. We uh, look at all the various um, issues that are going on related to women, uh, how women learn, how women lead, how to work with men, how to uh, lead ministry with excellence, how to uh, integrate in, so that you're not marginalized, just seen as a silo, uh, but how do you integrate what you're doing, come on board with the mission and vision of the whole church, mm -hmm. and how to help men see that we're not there to compete, we're there to complement. Uh, we are there, we have that male pastor's back, mm -hmm. we want him to be the finest um, Christian man, pastor, father, husband, we're there to protect him in some ways from uh -huh. there are women that uh -huh. he probably does need to protect himself from, but there are a lot of us that that's not the case at all. Mm -hmm. And so we serve to help come alongside, minister to those women instead of him trying to do it, mm -hmm. which is what we've done in the past. We've been terrorized. We're so <laughs> fearful of working with qualified, godly, called women mm -hmm. that we end up putting men in place 
places where they're the one ministering to unhealthy women. Mm-hmm. And I think that's caused a lot of lot of uh, moral downfall, a lot of problems. Um, I'm I am so I and I actually teach some of the men. I teach a core course in our uh, concentration. I talk with the men about how wise it is to partner with what we call a Titus II woman, mm-hmm. who's called, who has his back, who's mature. Uh, let her, especially in the area of counseling, um, uh, taking care of those really tough issues. I can do that better than a man can, mm-hmm. just because I've walked in those shoes. Mm-hmm. So we teach women all about who women are, uh, how they lead, how they learn. Um, and, and we teach them, I teach a course, Women Teaching Women. How, do I, how does a woman teach women the Bible? Mm-hmm. They need that desperately. And the younger women today are clamoring. They don't want fluff mm-hmm. the way women's ministry has looked in churches so often because mm-hmm. they've given, they find what I call the go-to woman, that mm-hmm. prayer warrior. She's a delightful woman. She has absolutely no training whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And they say, by the way, here, you take uh, charge of shepherding. And it is actually in most churches, 60% of the congregation are female. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barna discovered that in 2000. So six out of every 10 of the people that are sitting in the pews, coming into the church doors, they are gifted, they are called, they want to serve their families, they want to serve the church, and they want to lead according to their giftedness. And so how can we help them do that? And, and we need ministries that teach them sound doctrine, uh, sound theology, uh, that are missional, get them serving, not just head knowledge. Mm-hmm. There's so many aspects of helping women minister to women and then to children and then in some capacities to the congregation at large, wherever the leadership says that that is appropriate. Okay. Now, I see you've brought a resource here with, with you, so yes. why, why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> okay. Well, this is a book, Mixed Ministries, mm-hmm. uh, Working Together as Brothers and Sisters in an Oversex Society. And I partnered with uh, Kelly Matthews and Henry Rogers in 2007 to write this resource. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seeing how important it is that we begin to shift our thinking about men and women working together uh, to uh, more of a family focus. The, mm-hmm. the biblical resource is, is uh, 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, mm-hmm. uh, which talks about, let me get it exact, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters. So there's the family metaphor. With the family metaphor, with mm-hmm. absolute purity, mm-hmm. it says. That's mm-hmm. the way Paul ends that. Mm-hmm. And so I was seeing we are called as brothers and sisters to work in partnership together. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, honestly. Mm-hmm. I came with – sometimes I've written several books, and the others I came with, I knew what I was talking about. This one, we brought a team of four women and a couple of men. We interviewed tons of men throughout the country, professors here. Every chapter we sat down. I wrote the first draft, and then we sat down, and we wrangled over, well, what does that mean today? Mm. Uh, and there were four generations involved in the project. I had an intern who's very young, Eva Bleeker, uh, Lisa Englethaler, who's a writer here in Dallas, and then Kelly, who's younger than me, and I was the 
older woman on the project. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to get all of the generations insight into this issue of what does it look like for us to work together as brothers and sisters in the family, and how do we change the way that men particularly look at women in the church? Okay, now you've opened the door. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't know if it's a box or not, but we'll find out okay. see if Pandora's in okay. it or not. Okay, all right. Uh, but uh, this is exactly what we wanted to talk about. So, so I take it that there were concerns that that motivated the book and that motivated this this shift of getting around a family metaphor. Um, where where did where did you feel like the church was, and why did you feel like this needed to be addressed? Well, because working as a minister to women, also working here at the seminary, and even today, I mean, I, two weeks ago, I was in Illinois having I was speaking there, and I had lunch with a woman who was the only woman on her staff in the church, and she was telling me that in their staff meetings, she'll come up with an idea. She's a leader in on the staff, and she'll come up with an idea, and her the male colleagues will kind of look at her and, and, and think about it and pretty much ignore her idea. And then a, a little bit later, one of the men will articulate almost an identical idea, mm-hmm. and they'll all go, yes, yes, that's great. Mm-hmm. And she's going, hello, I just said that, uh-huh. I am here, uh-huh. and, 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 I'm, and I see that happens often, mm-hmm. sadly. Mm-hmm. I have tears in my office of women who feel feel marginalized. And I think I don't think a lot of men do this intentionally. There are few who are mean-spirited about it, but mm-hmm. very few. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly I think men are just busy. Um, they are they see things from a male perspective. Women bring a often a different perspective presented in a different way. Mm-hmm. And men are so used to having things done in terms they understand and and said in the way that they would say it that that takes them aback a little bit when it's said differently. Mm-hmm. And so very often unintentionally, uh, women uh, find themselves, Uh, ignored, uh, marginalized, and actually women shut themselves down a lot, too. Mm -hmm. We're our own worst enemy many times. That's the confusion that's out there. I actually have found that that I almost have to be clear about giving permission initially so that the woman feels comfortable stepping forward and expressing herself clearly about what it is. Now, I don't have that problem with my wife. She she expresses Mm -hmm. herself very clearly. I'm very aware of what she's thinking mm-hmm. but but uh, but generally speaking in ministry I have found that um, it's an ex- I would say it's, it's almost the rule versus the exception that without having opened the door and set and, and saying to the woman who's ministering alongside of me no you feel every freedom to contribute as mm-hmm. much as you want in fact I'm looking for that expecting that hoping for it mm-hmm. etc mm-hmm. as a as in as affirming a way as possible yes. to open that door and make that possible and then reinforcing it the first few times it happens because because that is those are very important moments mm, they are they are and even saying in the discussion 
Dorothy, uh, what what would you say? I'd love to hear what you have to, mm-hmm. to contribute. Because imagine if you're sitting in a room of people who, who are probably looking at it in a different perspective, and you don't know how – if they're going to judge you if you open your mouth at all mm-hmm. until you get to know them well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes th- this is an issue that's so taboo mm-hmm. that often we never talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. So we don't know where we stand – and we don't want to come across as aggressive, as going against what Christ would teach. We want to do what the Bible says that we are to do. Now, the we here, you're talking about we women, have women and in ministry. general, yeah, by yeah, and large. Yeah. We're, we love the Lord. We These are godly women who are called to serve. We want to do that, and we want to, we want to contribute, but and, – and way too many women – I don't know what it is about the way a lot of women are made, but we tend to be our own worst enemy, look down on ourselves. I mean, I see this with male and female students. Mm-hmm. If a woman makes a, a good grade, mm-hmm. she often says, uh, well, the test was easy. Uh-huh. If a man makes a good grade, he goes, wow. What a great theologian. <laughs> I am really a smart guy. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. If, if, but the opposite, if if he does poorly, yeah. the test was bad. Yeah, yeah. If she does poorly, I'm stupid. Uh-huh. I, I'm not capable. Mm-hmm. Women, I don't know if God, I don't know if this is sociologically uh, occurs because of the way we're raised or if it's really something within us that we tend to come down on ourselves more and, and that's what a lot of what, what we do is is just help women realize that God has gifted them every gift in the Bible is given to women too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and for them to be developed as a person uh, a lot of women think if I develop myself someone else loses it's a crazy way of thinking mm-hmm. but women tend to think that way so a lot of what we do is give them confidence I can't over encourage a woman mm-hmm. but I can't over encourage a man mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no you can't uh, well, maybe not I don't know but they, they seem to get cocky That's a lot exactly easier right. there you go well um This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and Counting, a bounty hunter's journey to faith, hope, and redemption, written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman. Nine Lives and Counting not only offers a fresh perspective on well-known life events, but also ventures into behind-the-scenes territory and backstories never shared publicly. Nine Lives and Counting is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com slash audio to learn more. Uh, well, let, let me – another question that I have is you said you dealt with four generations. So is there a difference in the different generations as to how they look at this area in oh, general? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there's another book that just came out, Organic Mentoring, mm-hmm. which the first two chapters talk about the um, – and we divide it into younger and older, and that's a little bit simplistic. But for someone who's just looking at mentoring, yes, there are huge differences in the way that uh, younger women and older older women look at life, mm-hmm. look at themselves, look mm-hmm. at, at, at the church, mm-hmm. uh, at their faith. Uh, my goodness. Uh, they're looking for something much more um, 
less less programmed, mm-hmm. more authentic. They mm-hmm. want to do something with what they learn. My generation, uh, builders and boomers, we pretty much went into the church saying, "Well, if I can, my role is to learn the Bible, mm-hmm. and I want to know it. And if I know it, I'm a godly Christian woman. Mm-hmm. Now, I may not do much with it. I mm-hmm. may go back home and rearrange my furniture for the umpteenth time and mm-hmm. decorate my living room again. Mm-hmm. I'm not going out. I'm not. Um, I'm not ministering. I'm not using it. It's strictly an a, a, a knowledge based. Uh, endeavor where younger women are saying, no, that's not what I see in the scriptures. Yes, I want to learn, but I want uh, – they're much more community-oriented, mm-hmm. and they really are much more missional. Hmm. They want to do something with what they what they learn. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's – uh, I think, you know, technology has done so much to change how, how women are just as – as much in, involved, maybe more in technology than men, and yes, huge changes. Hmm. Now, um, one of the key issues, it seems to me, is how how men treat women. We've already yeah. alluded to this already in, in giving confidence. But another element of this is how they how they view the partnership of the ministry itself, right. not yes. just not just affirming the woman, but even having recognized that she's there. There are things men sometimes do that, uh, and as you've suggested, it may not, it's not necessarily intentional. It can be mm-hmm. completely <laughs> unintentional. Mm-hmm. We can be completely oblivious, right? To and what's and going often on. that's the case. <laughs> yes, know? yes. Uh, so, so this is the this is this is your chance. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, um, All right. Well, I can tell you a few uh, stories that uh, and, and there are many that I have had many tears in my office where a woman feels she's free uh, to unload woman came in she'd been hired on staff and it was the tradition although she didn't know it at the annual staff retreat for the new hires mm-hmm. to share their testimony to share a vision of their ministry there were two new men and she was the new woman and the men were asked to do that and she was not hmm. and she came to me asking well was I just overlooked, or was this intentional? Hmm. Uh, it's very difficult to go to the leadership and point this out. Uh-huh. You look a little petty uh-huh. if you do, uh-huh. and and she's so she's wondering wh- wh- why, what's going on here? That what what happens normally because she was in a in a similar staff position Mm -hmm. that these men were, Mm -hmm. and yet she was not invited Mm -hmm. um, to the table. Mm -hmm. And and so she's wondering. I have a couple of personal examples myself where my department chair asked me to overtake, uh, to take charge of, to lead something that our department needed to do for a year. Mm -hmm. It was a a number of gatherings, and um, I was delighted to take that on for our department. When I went to someone in administration that I needed to help us with this, he was extremely reticent, made it very clear that he didn't think I should lead these meetings, Mm -hmm. that I should certainly delegate this out, Mm -hmm. and yet my department chair had told me he wanted me to lead the meetings. Mm -hmm. I did lead the meetings. It went very well. Mm -hmm. I did it in a very collaborative style. And that gentleman has been very gracious to me, <laughs> in the, but I, uh, and I don't, I, I wonder if he later questioned his own way he handled it. Mm-hmm. But, but the first, his, his initial response was to assume that because I think 
because I'm female, mm-hmm. I should not have been put in charge of something that my chair put me in charge of. Hmm. I've had a couple of, of ex- experiences like that. Yeah, I, I find that uh, in talking to some of the female students here myself that they um, occasionally have have certain reactions. Usually it's to students, fortunately, yes. and not faculty, but mm-hmm. but still where, where they very much are given the impression that they – one don't belong here, or yeah. in some cases, uh, well, you belong here, but the quieter the better. Yes, um, and you know, and they're not treated as fellow students pursuing the development of skills and gifts alongside uh, the other students, but somehow almost treated as almost a second class. Yes. and that's uh, that 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 can be the outgrowth of uh, of perceived theological concerns, mm-hmm. and I say that very, very carefully, um, or it can just be uh, a, an insensitivity, a, just a, a, a gender insensitivity, uh, and and yet uh, it's picked up. I mean, there's oh, the, yes. yeah, I, it, the, those, those vibes are definitely picked mm-hmm. up, and a person uh, uh, who is training for leadership, uh, male leadership in ministry, who has those uh, tendencies will take that into ministry yes. if they don't face it. Absolutely. And, and then, so that's yes. not a healthy situation. It's not. And, and I think the worst one was when I had a student come in, a woman student come into my office, plop down, almost in tears, and she said, I was just on the elevator. I was uh, going just a few floors. The gentleman walked on. I said to him, good morning, and he said, I can't talk to you. I'm married. And she was so taken aback uh-huh. that she hardly knew how to respond. <laughs> right, it right. Was this, and she said, I wasn't flirting. Uh-huh. I had no desire in any way yeah. to – I wasn't approaching – I was just being pleasant. Uh-huh. And, and, and yet she was – um, she felt, I, I can't even have a conversation with this person who I who I want to see as my brother. I uh-huh. think that's one of the things we say in mm-hmm. the book is that if we can begin to see each other in our heads as as brother and sister, mm-hmm. we have biological brothers and sisters. Right. We have no sexual temptation right. if we're healthy toward right. them at all. Mm-hmm. We can learn to do this, mm-hmm. and yet uh, we tend to look at all women and some men do uh-huh. as as temptresses as somebody that I just I, I can't go near I can't talk to um, that that you know that that man in that elevator is as you just said he's not going to be a man who will have a woman on his staff mm-hmm. which could very well mean that his whole church will look like a single parent family mm-hmm. strong male no no mother there mm-hmm. no woman to bring in that we're all created in the image of God, and it's both male and female that bring that image, the beauty of that together. So as we as we think about this, and, and you've raised this uh, nicely and subtly, if I may say <laughs> okay. it that way, um, uh, I, I find it. I find I've been told I was told things in ministry, and I'm going to probably step on some toes. Um, that that I find hard to put together with the idea that that we are a community and we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we're family to use the metaphor that you've talked about. For example, you know, if I'm counseling someone and it's a male student and they come in and they want to talk to me about something that's 
that's relatively private. They they need the space of the privacy to interact with me. They walk I, they walk into my office. I shut the doors so mm-hmm. they can talk to me, and they know no one else is going to hear mm-hmm. what they're going to share. But generally, what I've been told with regard to women is no, um, uh, uh, we can't. Uh, if you have a woman in your office, you should leave your door open. Period. Uh, and and I feel like by my doing that, the flip side of it is by my doing that, I'm communicating something to her about who she is yes. uh, that, in one sense, she doesn't deserve. Mm-hmm. And and so and it has to do with this this cultural aura that we put around this that that actually gets in the way of probably why she has come to talk to me to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find that awkward. And I, and I like to say to institutions, if you're worried about those kinds of concerns, then build your buildings in such a way that you, that you um, solve the problem you're concerned about without compromising excessively uh, the reason why someone would seek you out for counsel. Exactly. And, and put a window in your door. Exactly. I mean, uh, it's not hard. It may be mm-hmm. cost a little money, but it, it's worth it because what it communicates is, is that you can talk to me as a minister, as a sister in Christ, and and I'm not going to send signals about who I think you might be in the process. Uh, and I actually think this is very underappreciated as a problem. Yes, I would agree. And so, uh, so learning how to minister alongside someone in which you communicate, you really are a sister in Christ. You, I, I, you, you bring and bear the image of God uniquely, uh, and I want to affirm who you are as a person without sending out all these uh, fears, et cetera. I mean, I, I know, I know places that have have rules where you're in a you're in a big room. You're ministering together. There are multiple people in the room, and the and the argument is you can't have a male and a female in the same room ministering side by side with one another. And and I and I go, I understand why that's done. I mean, on the one hand, but the other hand is, is what are you actually communicating mm-hmm. as your most significant concern when you do that? Yes, yes. Well, you're communicating that this woman cannot be trusted. Uh, you're putting the blame. You're putting it on her, really. When mm-hmm. I would say it may well be your issue that you need to handle. Right. Uh, when we interv- we interviewed many leaders throughout the, throughout the country for our mixed ministry book, and what we heard from over and over and over, uh, Howard Hendricks, Mike Lawson uh, are on here, and then uh, John Ortberg, a variety of different men who work with women, mm-hmm. uh, was that. Um, we must see them as sisters. We must um, not put that on them as a result. That, that emo- really, that our own spiritual and emotional health is a far better fence or boundary or protection. Mm-hmm. And I do understand why we need to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go under in this deal, uh-huh. you all of your studying, all I mean it, it's it's a yeah, death sentence to ministry. Yeah, the consequences, the consequences are, sig- are so significant. So mm-hmm. I get that. But that's we've we've we erected these high walls. We have these huge walls that what they do is they break down community mm-hmm. and family. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think they they haven't been all that successful in 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 keeping 
those who are who ha, who struggle with these issues apart. Yeah, because there's a kind of almost inauthenticity in dealing with the issue that it creates. If I can say yes. it that way. Yeah, and there's a there's secret poison is sweet. Mm-hmm. That if someone is unhealthy mm-hmm. and their emotional tank is not full, mm-hmm. and they see someone over there, mm-hmm. they're going to find a way. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. And the higher those walls are, the more attractive that person looks. Mm-hmm. And what I have, and, and the, I don't think we face the reality that attractions are normal. Yeah, everybody has them, mm-hmm. whether you're married or not. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it, that. So, but we've shut it. We shut down. You can't have a conversation with somebody. Uh, help me with this. Mm-hmm. Pray for me. Uh-huh. Let's have somebody on your staff that you can go to privately to talk about an attraction. And what I found is that once I get to know that person. I've had a couple of attractions in the in and I'm I'm happily married. Uh-huh. And once I really get to know that yeah, brother to a good guy no less. Yeah. I'm married to a great guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I and I get to know that brother a little bit and most of the time I go what was I thinking? Uh-huh. And the attraction is completely gone. Mm-hmm. Just because now, if there is a serious attraction, and we talk in our book about red alert people, uh-huh. that I'm not, I can work with almost any man. There mm-hmm. have been a few in my life I've been attracted to. Mm-hmm. That's a red alert person. Mm-hmm. Then I put those boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Then I might actually quit my job and go uh-huh. somewhere else. Uh-huh. Then I take very, but I know myself, uh-huh. and I try to work through those things without ever having to go to those extremes. And most of the time, that's worked. That's That's been fine. So why do I, why do we punish everyone? Mm-hmm. Because we might have an attraction to one person. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Join us next week for part two. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.